I was a pilot and all of a sudden I look on TV and here goes a rocket up with a person in it, Al Shepard. And I said, I'd like to do that. Welcome to Beyond Speaking with Brian Lord. Fail trying rather than fail watching. Just dream it, say it out loud with your words, and then unicorns arrive from nowhere and they just make everything easy. A podcast featuring deeper conversations with the world's top speakers. I'm Brian Lord, and we have a special episode today remembering Alan Bean, astronaut, artist, and the fourth man to walk on the moon. So this week's podcast is a little more emotional for me. Uh, you get to know people over the years, and Alan Bean is somebody who's just you know great American hero, one of the the forefront of uh, one of the people at the forefront of space exploration, the fourth man to walk on the moon, uh, the only artist to walk on another world, as he was fond of saying. Uh, he was someone who, uh, working with, um, you know, always preferred phone to email. And so we ended up having these conversations over the past, you know, 15 years or so. And he's also someone who really stood by his principles. He absolutely refused to promote himself. So he would never come on this podcast, which is kind of funny. We're doing a podcast for someone who refused to be on it. But he uh, was a huge fan once I said, hey, could my daughters are doing a report on, on space. Could you do an interview for him? And he jumped all over it. And he said, they've got to do the research, everything else, but I'll do it. So he was so kind and so gracious, um, not wanting to promote himself, but just wanting to help uh, my daughters and any other kids who love space and wanted to learn about it. So this week's podcast is dedicated to Alan Bean. Hi. Hi, Sydney. How are you? Good. I was wondering... Did you ever meet Abel the monkey or Baker the monkey? No, I never did meet them. I read about them like just like you have. I don't know if they were even alive when I went up into space or became an astronaut. It's quite possible. I'm not saying this is true. You might want to look it up. They might have taken those monkeys when they came back and just run all sorts of tests on them to see what happened to them. So they might not even have been alive. I don't know. You could look it up, but I never met them. And I don't think I ever met an astronaut that mentioned that they met any of those monkeys. What was your favorite thing to eat in, in the spaceship? And were there any desserts? <laughs> okay, that was a good question. My favorite food is spaghetti. Okay, spaghetti and meatballs. Are, okay, so they had that. And I had them pack me a lunch, or the first lunch after landing on the moon was spaghetti and meat sauce. And I had them, I ate that, okay? And then I had some tang. And for dessert, they had uh, uh, rehydratable peaches. You know, they need to have water added and then they become kind of moist like real peaches. They were very good desserts. They had rehydratable strawberries. That was good. You had cake. That was good. We didn't have ice cream. But uh, I, I had them pack me two spaghettis. And you can't see it, but over there on the wall is one of the spaghettis that they packed for me. And I brought it home and put it on the wall. And I look at it every day and say, I was the first human to eat spaghetti on the moon. 
So I like that. That was my favorite food. What other planets could you see from the moon? Uh, First of all, the moon is not very far from the earth and the planets are a long, long way. So, and the stars are a long, long way. They looked, we could see every planet that anyone could from earth, but they looked like distant stars. You know, they didn't look like uh, Saturn with a ring around it, because if you go outside and look at Saturn, it just looks like a star. So the planets and the stars looked the same. As I remember, maybe you could see a few more of them because you didn't have the Earth's atmosphere. But if you just looked up and wondered about it, you, they all look just like they do from Earth. Next time you go outside, look, that's kind of how it looks from space. Would you go back to the moon um, now if you could? Well, if someone asked me to do it, then I would say to them, well, you know, I've already been. And I've already had that experience and I've already told you what I have observed. We need to send some other people to the moon. I'm an engineer pilot. All the astronauts were pilots and one of them was a geologist and Jack Schmidt was his name. And so he's been, we need to send some other people. I would send Oprah Winfrey because she could go up there and come back and tell everybody on earth about the moon in a way that would connect real good with them. The way I talk about the moon is not the way Oprah would. Also, uh, I'm trying to think of this. um, We could send uh, um, uh, who, who, who's the guy that founded Microsoft Bill Gates. We should send him because he could go up there and see things differently. He would say when he came home, you know, I could start businesses up there and I could make millions of dollars doing things that I can't think of. So this is dad, Brian, jumping in here again. So we're now switching over from my younger dog loving daughter, Sydney, to my older sort of science geek daughter, Brooklyn. Did it take to pick up your rocks and how many did you pick up? Oh, well, we were out for two different times for about three and a half hours. And we didn't just pick up rocks, we put out experiments, we took photos and everything. So the first time we were out, we maybe picked up 30 rocks. And then the next time we were out, maybe we picked up 50 rocks. So it was depending on how many other things we were supposed to do. And also, you don't just pick up a rock because then the scientists would not know where the rock was sitting on the moon and what angle it was setting so they could decide whether the radiation from the sun affected it or gravity or other things. So you had to photograph it, two photos, so that they could put them side by side. It would look like it was three-dimensional. And then you had to talk about it. And then you had to put them in a special bag so they wouldn't get with other rocks. How did the camera break? How did the camera break? I pointed it at the sun. I thought that TV cameras were like other cameras where, you know, you could point them any way you wanted. And then when you got ready to 
turn on the TV, then then that would uh, then the you know like a film. If you pointed at the sun and took a picture, you'd see the sun. But if you took the camera and moved it towards the sun, then it wouldn't make any difference. But this did. So even though someone had probably told me not to do it, I didn't remember it. That's why it's good to have a good memory. Because if you don't, you can make a mistake that you're really embarrassed about. So I was, it was my fault that I pointed it at the sun. Did you have any weird or gross stuff on the moon? No, nothing weird. Uh, everything. Those sorts of things are just what people talk about. If you're a scientist person like I am or other astronauts, you don't, there's no such thing as that. So we only, we did whatever we had to do up there. Nothing strange like that happened. Not only on my mission, on any missions. Sometimes you read in books or something where astronauts say something strange like that an alien was done, came by, or uh, like you say, a ghost or something. But that astronauts never do that. That's just people that are wanting to sell newspapers or something. One time when I was in Skylab for 59 days, I came back and these reporters came in to my office with, the, with our other two crew members. And they said, tell us about the UFO you saw. We said, we didn't see one. And they kept saying, tell us about it. We said, we didn't see it. I saw their paper the next day and it had, we, we saw a UFO and talked about it. Of course we didn't, we kept saying we didn't see it. So don't believe everything you read. Only believe stuff that your parents tell you or you see yourself. Cause there's all sorts of other stuff that isn't true out there. Were you ever scared? Uh, a little bit. When lightning hit our spacecraft, I wasn't scared I would get hurt. I was scared because I didn't know what to do. I thought I was well-trained, and then I, when the lightning struck and turned on all these uh, caution and warning lights, I didn't know what to do. Neither did anybody else, because we never thought that we could be hit by lightning. But we were. And finally, with the help of mission control, we were able to, to do okay. Were all your supplies and food floating in the spaceship? Well, if mostly they were in storage, in cabinets, you know, or in drawers or things, sort of like your stuff at home. But if we took them out and let go of them, then they floated around, just like we were floating around. And so you had to be careful when you ate something that you didn't spill it because then it would float around and land in your head or something. And so you would say, I wonder where that went. And then your crew member might say, it's right on top of your head. And you reach up there and there was a potato or something. So uh, it was fun. It was fun, but you had to be careful that thing, you did, things didn't get loose. You kept up with them all the time or, or put, you know what Velcro is, don't you? We had a lot of that. So when we take something out of storage, we usually connect it to a certain place with Velcro. Then when we needed it, it was there. Otherwise, if we forgot, let's say we had a spoon to eat with and we didn't do that. Then when we got ready to eat and wanted the spoon, we couldn't find it. Then we'd have to ask each other, have you seen my spoon? 
Where is it? Because otherwise you couldn't eat. And take, the air would flow around the, the capsule. And then it would go to an exit port, kind of like an air conditioner where the inlet of your air conditioner is. Things would go there. So if you wait a few minutes, your spoon would be there and you could go get it. How old were you when you decided to be an astronaut? When I was about nine or 10, I decided I wanted to be a Navy airplane pilot. They didn't have astronauts in those days. And so I studied in school and did everything I could to be prepared to be a, a Navy pilot. And then I took a test, NROTC test, and got selected to be a, uh, you know, a Navy uh, a trainee at the University of Texas. And I took aeronautical engineering. In other words, I got ready in my life so that I could be a Navy pilot. I wasn't doing other things. I was trying to be better qualified. Then when I became a Navy pilot, I was a pilot. And all of a sudden I look on TV and here goes a rocket up with a person in it, Al Shepard. And I said, I'd like to do that. And they said, well, he's an astronaut, but you're a pilot and that's where we get astronauts. And so I applied. The first time I applied, they didn't take me. And I was very disappointed, but I came home and I said, well, I can either walk around and be disappointed or I can try to get better qualified. So if I ever get another chance, they'll take me. So a year later, I got another chance and I was better qualified and they took me. I've always felt like I achieved more than my dreams is when I was your age. I did a lot more. And a lot of it had to do with the fact I was always trying to be the best. I wanted to be the best pilot. I never was, but I was always trying to be. Then I wanted to be the best astronaut. I never was, but I was always trying to be. So I always got to be, you know, a chance to do this. You can do the same thing. You can have great adventures in your life like I've had. You just don't know what they are yet. Thank you for joining us for the Beyond Speaking Podcast. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen. To learn more, go to beyondspeak.com because adding the ING was too expensive. For this episode of the Beyond Speaking Podcast, your technical director, producer, and head Steelers fan was Eric Woody. Your creative director and part-time leprechaun was Travis Franklin. Brian Lord, your host, executive producer, and specialist in speaking about himself in third person. Additional thanks to special consultant and the pride of St. Paul, Lauren D. of D. & Associates. Thank you to the incredible voice talents of the muy profundo Robert Borges. Finally, thanks to the premier founder, Dwayne Ward, CEO Sean Hanks, and CIO Chris Young, simply because you need to thank powerful people. If you've listened this far, you clearly have nothing better to do, so why not continue on and listen to the next Beyond Speaking podcast.